0: The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Sela Media Group. The following program is pre-recorded. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
1: Good morning, everybody. I uh, hope your weekend's starting off great. Grab yourself a cup of coffee. I realize it's early. I'll give you a second, and we'll um, we'll put together a couple of good quotes here just to get us start thinking positively. A person always doing his or her best becomes a natural leader just by example. Joe DiMaggio. Failure is impossible. Susan B. Anthony. She should know. Uh, Listen, I, I always direct you to my web page because there's a lot of good material on there. There's a lot of good material you can still get. Uh, and if you go, if you Google Tim Hayes radio, I show up and, uh, you know, you can always right below my picture is remember buy low, sell high. <laughs> OK, so uh, there's some good stuff on there. There's the uh, the daily technical analysis. Sometimes if you see what's going on in the market, you can understand better. I'm a visual type person. That's why I look at charts all the time. I read fundamentals all the time, but, uh, you know, sometimes you have to look at things and understand what exactly is going on. Okay. So uh, there's also market week, which comes out every uh, every week. It's a great stuff. There's some stuff on data breach, but we do have a lot of really good uh, uh, reports Government healthcare fundamentals. If you don't know what's going on with Medicare, you better. I'm telling you, because it could cost you a lot of money as you get old. And this talks about Medicare Part B, C, and D. Uh, it's got good stuff in there. I highly recommend it. Plus, we have the basic fact sheets for Medicare uh, enrollment considerations. Uh, This is all stuff you should, you know, if you're 50, you should be calling in for this. Also, we have a woman's guide to healthcare and retirement and caring for aging parents. And believe me, uh, that's important. I'm going through it. I've been, I've been through it and I'm going through it again. So uh, we also have some reports that I highly recommend our global best energy ideas, and these have worked out fairly well. Uh, So I, Highly recommend those two. Um, there's there's one that's down and I own it. Uh, not down that much, so it's no big deal. Uh, we also have a couple other reports. The Imagine 2025 Portfolio, and this is a portfolio of stocks that we think you can hold through 2025. There's technology, industrials, healthcare, telecom. Consumer, you know, you name it, the whole kick and caboodle, and then uh, what we call our RBC's quarterly one-minute sentiment check, and this is all about healthcare. And I'm going to talk about healthcare, our small cap focus list, which seems to be doing quite well this year. Better yet, though, is our guided portfolio, all cap growth, and we can we can run this for you uh, for a small charge, and it, and it's just like your own you, multiple mutual funds, but you own the stocks believe me that's the big difference between a mutual fund and um uh, you know owning your own stocks i think it, people don't understand that but if you compare the two the the actual ownership is ownership has its privileges let's put it that way and we have our top picks you can get those in our top global picks any of those are available to you if you want we have a news newsletter out and that's uh, have you made any of these financial mistakes we you know if you if you um uh just hit the contact me or email me. Once you go to Tim Hay you Google Tim Hayes radio, uh, you know, we'll set you up on this newsletter. We don't harass you. Trust me on that. Uh, tax benefits of home ownership, after the reform. A lot of people don't know about that. So, uh, highly recommend it. Uh, so that once again, uh, by the way, if you want to have a cup of coffee, talk about your portfolio. I'm pretty sure we can do wonderful, wonderful things for your portfolio. Uh, Call us at 888-223-7742. It's 888-223-7742. Sit down, have a cup of coffee or breakfast or lunch or whatever. Um, You know, we always talk about the process here. And, uh, you know, we're going to get into the detail in the process because if you don't have a process, you're in trouble. Now, last week I said 2017 marked the first year in which the Dow had two winning streaks of 10 sessions or longer since 1959. Now, that's kind of important because I also talked about public pensions earned about 12.5% last uh, time. But despite the recent gains in public pensions plans, they're still facing a f- uh, funding shortfall of $4 trillion. So if if you're... <laughs> If you're working for uh, the government, you you got a problem on your hands. Uh, a couple other things. The Texas Permian Basin, which we, you know, if you were listening to this show from 2003 on to 2008, we talked about the Permian and the Bakken Basins and the East Texas fields a lot. They are now extracting 3.3 million barrels a day, uh, making it the, the, the oil field, Uh, alone one of the world's largest producers and i said that was going to happen i was i was just repeating stuff but we we brought it to your attention way ahead so their their average production is now ahead of the the arabs and saudi Arabia. so there we go uh according to the u.s labor department the jobless rate for americans between 16 and 24 fell to 9.6 that's the lowest figure since july 2000 how's that huh all right, so we talk about the process. So let's start macro and move our way down. Something happened this week, which I think is very, very notable. And that is Japan is once again the second largest stock market in the world. They beat the Chinese. The Chinese are now at $6.09 trillion compared to $6.17 trillion for the Japanese. And, and by the way, there's a, some articles. There was a big article in the wall street journal this week about the chinese government the the top guys coming under severe criticism and they're trying to cut it out obviously but uh uh so china is you know back in i think it was 2007 i said china would peak and then i mentioned it again 2014 um, and said suggested that domestic equities were probably a better place well japan's been slowly but surely creeping up uh, uh, up until uh, january then it got hit pretty hard uh but look there there's several reasons for underperformance of china and and it's the process of deleveraging number one and it's curtailing it's you know uh, ex- rather excessive growth. they just let things go crazy so uh but chinese bonds have uh yields have risen quite high uh at this point uh so that people are dumping Chinese bonds and buying U.S. government bonds, inter- interestingly enough. And additionally, uh, prominent global investors, there's an escalating trade dispute between the U.S. and China, if you hadn't noticed. And uh, I-, I thought it was interesting that in the Rasmussen poll this week, who's these guys are the guys who have elected the last uh, – I mean they have predicted the last uh, uh, 18 presidents uh, have – Donald Trump at a 50% approval rating, which is 5% above Obama at the same time. So that's kind of interesting. But anyway, the real issue here in China is that they ran a $375 billion trade surplus with the U.S. in 2017. And it's easy to think this is the focus of the the U.S. And it's easy to think that, therefore, the answer is simply to reverse the trend. But... uh, You know, the crux of the problem is that the U.S. is demanding that China change its laws, regulations, and behaviors all at once. I don't know if that's going to happen. But the trade surplus is largely a red herring, especially when one considers the sizable chunk of goods coming from China. And I think that's very, very important. Also, you know, back in, two uh, what, about a year ago, China, all all they talked about was, uh, I I think it was back in 2015, made in China. So they want almost you know, a great deal of their uh, investment right now is in making sure that all the stuff that people in China buy is is Chinese uh, and they want to do this by 2025. So uh, look, uh, there's, if you don't know what, uh, you know, it's called Made in China 2025, by the way. So Made in China has done more than just ruffle a few feathers in Washington. I'll tell you that, Uh, you know, there's, so there's some very, very serious challenges, not just to us, but to Europe and, and Japan and global trading systems. So uh, Peter Navarro, who you may know, works for the uh, the uh, government, uh, is a big bear on China trade. So um, Trump's own statement on June 15th, he announced a possible tariff of 10 percent on 200 billion of Chinese goods right there. So, I mean, this, this is going to get it's going to get more serious before it gets better. uh um, what's interesting is if you look at the Chinese Yuan or Yuan or the Remini, whatever you want to call it, I mean, it was up at 36. It's now at 27. So it's taking a beating. Uh, and if you look at the A shares in the China uh, CSI 300, I mean, it's down 16, 17%. So this pressure that the leaders are getting is something that uh, might uh, might fuel a problem. Now, what, what I think is interesting is that, you know everybody's criticizing Mr. Trump for this, and and and, but our markets uh, are within a percentage points of our high. Now, you know we may have double topped here uh, on the S and P, and I I suggest that we pro- I suggested earlier in the year that we probably go sideways after January. But if you look, the railroads that ship the steel and and all the aluminum et cetera are looking great on the charts. So, uh, I mean, CSX hit a new high last week. Norfolk Southern Southern hit a new high. So I, I guess what I'm suggesting is, uh, w- you know, things are going fairly well for the U.S. Now, somebody asked me, uh, you know, they said, Tim, you're technical. What about fundamentals? What do you think of the market? I think there are some parts of the market that are extremely overvalued. And I'm going to talk about that in the, in the second uh, part of our show. But uh, if you look at a P- on a P.E. ratio basis, um, you know – the actual p e ratio right now is twenty four point six five times uh and this this is for the s and p five hundred now a lot of that is concentrated in several you know like fifteen twenty stocks but that's uh and we're looking at the estimates of two thousand and nineteen of about eighteen nineteen times earnings that's pretty i mean you'd like to see that at fifteen whatever so fundamentally we're a bit overvalued and uh, one of the areas i think is that worries me a little bit is some of the larger capitalization stocks. I mean, if I look at some of the monthly charts on things like uh, Amazon and Netflix and uh, some of the big names that have won, uh, you got to be a little bit more careful. I mean, look, look at the XLG, which is the the fifty largest stocks uh, on an ETF, and and look, they have Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, and J.P. Morgan. Now, J.P. Morgan still looks okay. Uh, Facebook's been has corrected. Apple still is cheap. Uh, Microsoft looks great on a long term chart uh short term charts a little bit overdone uh so you know if you know how an e t f the trading liquidity uh let's go back to what happened uh in in um two thousand fifteen remember in august of two thousand and fifteen the x l g and also a lot of the index funds i mean the the index dropped a thousand points on the open now if you would have had a stop on that ETF. And this is what happened. They triggered all these stops. You got killed and you didn't get back in. So I think with ETFs, you, you almost got to grin and bear it. If you're going to be in those, first of all, as you know, I'm not a big fan of the indexes right at the moment. I think there's going to be more of a stock pickers market, but you got to redefine l- liquidity when it comes to ETFs. And you, you probably should, I think it's a timeless example to stop using stop orders. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, when you drop a thousand points and you reverse back up and, and then turn around, you know, there we go. I was going to go over the 10 internet supplies, but I don't have uh, time. But I want to tell you that I've been talking about the dividend aristocrats. It was a big article last week in, in Barron's. I'm way ahead of them. Stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show.
0: I hear the sound of a gentle On the wind that lifts perfume through the air
2: The Ohio Department of Agriculture is working with farmers to safeguard the fruits and vegetables grown here. To prevent foodborne illnesses, federal law now requires certain farmers to take steps that ensure fruits and vegetables are grown and processed in a sanitary way. Visit agri.ohio.gov to learn how Ohio farmers can comply with the law and to schedule a produce safety assessment offered on-farm and at no cost to Ohio growers. Paid for through a grant from the Food and Drug Administration, sponsored by the Ohio Department of Agriculture, aired by the OAB and this station. Are you occasionally stressed? Feeling fatigued? It doesn't have to be this way. Support your body's response to all kinds of stress. Promote energy levels and nurture a sense of well-being with Quantum Nutrition Lab's Stress Support, B12, and Adrenal Support. For a limited time, all three are on special. Buy two bottles and get the third one free. Call 888-588-7578. That's 888-588-7578. Or visit us online at qnlabs.com. That's q-n-l-a-b-s dot com.
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Marshall, PhD host of Healthline. Tune in to get your questions answered and hear the latest breakthrough information for you and your family. Our product line, Quantum Nutrition Labs, delivers what others only promise, nutrition that really works. Listen to Healthline with Dr. Bob Marshall, Saturdays at noon on AM 1420. The Answer.
2: At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC.
1: Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. As I said, uh, if you'd like to have a cup of coffee with me, sit down and, and, and talk, I think we can improve your portfolio. Uh, we're really good at risk management. That's what we work on uh, every day. We look at thousands of charts, read thousands of reports, just because we want risk management. And sometimes, um, uh, look, everybody's wrong occasionally. Warren Buffett says he's right six, maybe seven times out of 10. And the key is when you're right, you You should be very right. And uh, that's what we try to be. So if you'd like to 888-223-7742, that's 888-223-7742. And we'll talk about your portfolio a little bit. You know, one of the things that I'm seeing, and this is uh, the healthcare sector is recovering nicely. Uh, The biotech, Technology sector broke above one hundred and fifteen the IBB and the XBI actually broke out to a new high so uh, a lot that that 's the mid cap the smaller cap stocks i 've also noticed that uh, one of my favorites was recommended by Dorsey Wright this week, which i 'm not going to tell you what that is um, but the healthcare sector seems to be improving. Right now, I'm seeing it in medical technology stocks for the most part. And, and, but drugs, look, uh, Pfizer's breaking out, Merck's breaking out, Eli Lilly's made a huge run. Um, so uh, you got to keep your eye on the ball because why? Well, if you're going into retirement, these stocks have great dividends, phenomenal dividends. Uh, that's all I'll say. Okay. So, uh, if you'd like more on our healthcare stocks, uh, you know, please let me know. Just Google. Google Tim Hayes radio and just hit the email me. I also noticed that the micro caps, which have been out to lunch for about four years now, have broken out. And, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty important breakout because it was what they call a quadruple top breakout. Uh, and it get extended. So that, that's kind of interesting. And we're getting, we're getting some really good buy signals in, in the bullish percent for, uh, uh, fixed income. So remember, I told you buy yield when it's up. Everybody short the, the bond market again. So when everyone's short, you know, don't follow the lemmings. Okay, make your own decisions. Uh, if you're working with me, I'll make them for you. Now we had uh, we 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 have a, a great new uh, head strategist, and it's Lori Cal Fazina Vaz, and I can never get her last name. Sorry, Lori, if you're listening. Um, and, and she, she's done, she's called some pretty good stuff, all right, So far. So I'm, I'm listening to her and she has reiterated just this week her underweight on large cap technology. Now people said, Hey, technology keeps going up. And, and look, I look at the technicals and I, you know, I don't see it yet, but I do see that they're extended big. Okay. So her, she remains sellers and she says the sector continues to look extremely crowded on sentiment work. And if you look, And this is something you should be paying attention to if you own technology. The hedge funds are up to their gills in this stuff. Let me repeat that. The hedge funds are up to their gills in this stuff. And just so you know how hedge funds work, when they get out, they get out. They don't mess around. And if they're in ETFs, the ETFs have, you know, they have an hour to get you your money. Okay? One hour. One hour. So ETF flows uh, appear to have peaked in the uh, first quarter of 2018. So that's something else you got to think about. And earnings per share beats and and the pace of upward revisions are starting to decelerate. And that's another big, big problem. I and mean, I look, Amazon, you know, killed their earnings. They were short on revenue and the stock continues to go up because people keep throwing money into ETFs, into the S&P 500 and the QQQs. And that's going to turn, I think, sometime. So after a first strong... Uh, strong half of uh, 2018 growth funds uh, posted absolute returns and beat their benchmarks and pretty, pretty handily. So what looks least and most interesting, uh, interesting, I'm sorry, is if we look at our large cap uh, stuff, uh, you know, the earnings per share momentum, the sentiment of the valuations, the IT and uh, services and softwares continue to look most risky uh, due to the very expensive valuations. However, uh, there is some appealing valuations in the actual hardware. Nobody's really buying hardware; they're just buying software. Now, Lori is starting to va- look at value over growth, and we haven't talked about value in a long, long time. But we've we've been suggesting. I'm going to talk about that in a second here. Uh, but so she she's reiterating her underweight on large cap tech. And and, and by the way, if you look at what the hedge funds uh, own, it's it's. I mean, the big positions are Facebook, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, uh, Netflix, uh, Visa and Aetna, too, by the way, uh, Bank America, Storage Tech, or no, Constellation Brands, because that's a marijuana play, Adobe, uh, Avago or Broadcom, and, and Micron, So, and Apple. Uh, so those are names that, you know, if they turn, you want to stay away from, I think. Uh, you want to be careful with right now, too. Uh, so... She has six big concerns. The sector continues to look extremely crowded on a sentiment or, uh, basis. Valuations recently turned post tech bubble peaks. That's that's a high number. Uh, ETF flows to the sector have appear seem to have uh, peaked in the in the latter part of the first quarter, and uh, earnings beats and revisions are starting to decelerate. Uh, the stronger dollar is a potential uh, headwind for the the sector due to high international exposure, and after uh, a very strong. Uh, first half, the growth funds, uh, you know, might be time to be a little bit more careful from them. But look, tech has benefited from trade and global fears uh, be- because of protectionism. People have been buying. And, and they, she does continue to talk about v- growth over value. And, uh, you know, look, on a relative basis, you know, when growth is going up, value is usually going down and, and vice versa. And if you look, the value stocks are getting pretty cheap. So, um so you know, I think her main concern is that the valuations for growth have kind of broken down. I mean, some of these things are trading two, 300 times earnings, and that's that's not what you want. Uh, earnings momentum is shifting away from growth, so that's good. But uh, look, I will say this. Uh, if you look at the momentum for techno- technology, it's increasing right at the moment. So let's look at the fundamentals, I mean, the technical side, and I think that's kind of important um, in that. If you look, the the uptrends are intact. The weekly momentum remains very overbought in that area. So the international markets are bottoming, but relative strength versus the S&P 500 remains very, very weak. So, look, I I think, you know, technology leadership still intact, you know, so this is the technical side, not what Lori's talking about. Lori's looking out six months. Okay, I'm looking at what I see right today the cyclicals and defensive have, have been very, uh, you know, been selective bottoming. Uh, look, you know, in the, in the industrial area and materials, we, I've seen several of those stocks break out. I own a couple of them. Uh, I talked about the, uh, the banks have been, you know, the banks have been in, in a sideways consolidation, what they call a, uh, a declining triangle. Uh, and after a big run up, that's what you expect from them. Uh, But I also think that there's plenty of industrials breaking out to new highs. The mid-cap industrials and small-cap industrials are breaking out left and right. Uh, But also, you're having utilities and REITs, which REITs seem to be a little bit overbought here, uh, are breaking out. So people are buying yield again. They're buying yield when it's up, like we've talked about on this show numerous, numerous times. And also, uh, the consumer staples uh, made a big move now they're coming back a little bit i told you not to chase them Uh but we are seeing some of the uh, uh also the entertainment stocks are looking kind of interesting so th- what we fear is this is is the s&p 500 some of the the momentum is starting to decelerate a little bit now the question is is that technology or not and you know if, if that's if that's the case then lori is absolutely right uh and you know she was on CNBC uh, the other day, and uh, she made her point, and it was it was very very good. So, and if you look at the intermediate term, a weekly momentum uh, bottomed in the in quarter one, but then but will turn negative should the S and P decline just a little bit here. So, uh, a downturn would imply another correct uh, correction, and it would probably be a little bit of a double top. The uh, Russell two thousand, you know, we were big on this; it made a big run. Uh, you know, we, we talked about the small caps back in 2017, to be exact. For, you know, uh, it was back in actually December of 2016, and we talked about them. Um, but the weekly momentum has peaked for these. The, the smaller The smallest of the small caps are really good. Most of the global markets I'm seeing are make are in a series of lower highs, which is not good. So I don't think you know. I'd stay. I'd, be, I'd still be careful with them, but I think there's a rally coming. Uh, and, I, you know, I'll just leave that up to you. And if I look at growth versus value, which is what Laurie was talking about, the large caps, it's still growth. The mid caps, mm, starting to see signs of value taken over. Small caps, seeing signs of that too. And if I looked at, you know, uh, just at regular charts, and we're going to talk about the Dorsey Wright system here in a second. In, the proving area is, an, is staples and in industrials, the weakening uh financials, but they're becoming very, very oversold. I mean, uh, and we'll talk about that. You know, with the especially the Wall Street areas, like a twenty-three on the Dorsey Wright system. REITs, like I said, they're they're pretty overbought. Discretionary technology and, and energy have all been weakening. So, I th- I just think you got to, uh, you know, the valuations on some of the tech stocks are really high. The semiconductor area looks like it's trying to bottom. I've had a lot of questions on that. Uh, we had Mike, Carl, uh, David, and. Uh, I think that's bill i can't read my own handwriting they asked me about semiconductors and the the relative performance compared to the s&p 500 is not that great uh the one thing i will say is if you look at the x uh, you know some of the retail etfs um they seem to be accelerating from their 200 day week moving average and what you're finding is amazon's going up but most of the people that uh compete against them are going up also um so somebody asked me uh when i sell well, I I couple things. Number 1, there's something called PPO and if you don't know what that is, uh, it shows the potential of the uh, momentum dying and you get a negative divergence accompanied by uh I look at candlestick charts, so a reverse of the candlestick or you get a false breakout and it's on slowing volume and then it turns back in. That's another problem. And then uh and, and finally um you know, well I'll just say that you know I just if I see a false breakout then I turn and and run. <laughs> uh, but look I, I, I'll mention once again this is what you know I see and what I look at in my charts and, and we're going to go over Dorsey Wright's here in a second but uh, so sh- you know shorter term I think the momentum is is peaking a little bit uh, on the s p so it'll be interesting to see what happens overseas like I said, the relative strength is not good. so if you have a lot in your 401k, I think you want to be a little bit more careful. Um, I am seeing some good things happen in some of the industrials, and I, I like that. And it does seem to me that healthcare is starting to lead the way. Um, and and healthcare and and the staples moved, but they need to pull back. It was a big move, pretty quick. I mean, you know, uh, I thought I. I mentioned kimberly clark and clorox and a few others to my clients clorox made a 15 point move already and kimberly clark was 99 and you know went to 113 so you want to wait on those uh and i'm not recommending them anymore uh but you know i'm seeing stuff like uh the industrials there's a big industrial probably the biggest uh, that's looking great so stay tuned we're gonna be right back with uh, the bullish percent
2: Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king?
0: Go, fish dad! Oh,
2: come on! (laughs) This is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov.
0: Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and
2: Human Services and the Ad Council.
1: Just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show. And now we talk about one of our main risk guides. And this is the bullish percent. And this was designed by a guy named Ernie Stavey. And and he was a protege of Charles Dow back in the 30s. And what he wanted to do is be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. So what we have is a chart that goes from zero to 100. And it's X's and O's just like the old days. And uh, X's and O's is point and figure charting, by the way. And our friends at Dorsey Wright, who provide us with this, are uh, Tom Dorsey's an expert at that. Uh, Watson Wright's very good too, by the way. And uh, what, what, what we want to do is look at X's. That's when we're in under accumulation, that's when we have the ball, okay? And depending on where we are, like if we're above 70, that's the red zone. So, there we want to be handing off to the fullback. Okay. We don't want to be doing anything crazy. When we get below 30, that's the green zone. And uh, I mean, look, I don't like football. You know, if you don't like football, I'm sorry. I don't like it either that much. <laughs> uh, but if you get below 30, that's when you can throw the long pass. That's when everybody's crying in their beer. Okay. And uh, that's good. Uh, right. That's a good area to buy. Right now, we're at 58. We're on a column of X's. Now, col- look. When we go into a column of O's, you don't have to sell every stock you have. That's not the, what the purpose of this is. There's other things involved called dynamic asset level investing. Right now, domestic equities are the number one asset class in the world. Back in 2007, 2008, on this show, I said to go to cash. Okay? Cash would outperform the market for the next year. I had 15 new accounts. I stayed in cash or I went to cash. Okay? So, you know... Uh, you know, we, we didn't we didn't touch it. Now we we kept a couple of things like Johnson and Johnson and a couple of names like that. But uh, look, I think overall uh it depends on what the risk parameters are. And right now, and I'll say this again, domestic equity is in the number one asset class, so just remember that. Now, one thing that worries me a little bit is that the over the counter index is at forty six it'll reverse down at forty uh, forty six point one it'll reverse down at forty six and with Friday's action, it may have done that um, don't know i have to I have to look, but I had a lot of small cap stocks up Friday, a lot of them up uh, on my screen you know that I own so uh, you know maybe it, it turned. I will say this compared to the xLG. It was, it looked like the momentum was turning up short term. So we'll see about that. The world index did break into a column of X's. It's at 43. Uh, so, you know, I told you to, to, wait on it, not sell it. Been telling you that, you know, if you had a new 401k, don't get out of it. Uh, it turned. So, so look, all the bullish percents remain in a column of X's. I don't want to anticipate an anticipator, especially with the small cap stuff. Um, but if you look, the XLG, which is the large cap, is, is 94% overbought, and it's right at the old high back in January on the S&P 500. Gee, I wonder if that's going to be a, a, a problem. If you look at the IWM, which is the uh, small cap or the Russell 2000, uh, it's merely 13% overbought. So, uh, it, you know, small caps, uh, you know, are interesting. And, and look, I, I'll just go back, and and uh, Lori Calselvina had a couple things to say. She's seeing this in in the small cap arena. Uh, Buyback activity is picking up. So these companies are doing well because of the tariffs. They're doing well uh, because the dollars rallied a little bit. Uh, The capex recovery has been strong and the growth rate is close to past peaks. Uh, but that, that shouldn't be a problem. M&A for small caps is picking up drastically. You know, I talked to you about a couple of weeks ago. There was 22 deals in small cap stocks. That continues, all right? Uh, so buying trends have been bigger. Look, there's a lot of money coming from overseas. There's almost like $7 trillion coming over, all right? Corporate balance sheets have $1.9 billion, uh, trillion in cash already. You know, they're buying back stock, but they got to grow their business. And uh, that's what that's what uh, CEOs are, are told to do. So... You're seeing M&A targeting publicly traded companies still stuck in a downtrend as as private share gain. You know, that's the way it looks. The debt levels have been high, but the pay, pay down has begun on a lot of these small cap stocks. And speculative grade credit ratings are more common in smaller cap companies. So uh, uh, people are, are, are looking at these things. So, uh, you know. Right at the moment, I think small caps look a little crowded. Uh, you know, the buy ratings and mega caps approaching post-tech bubble. So, you know, people are going to switch. And uh, we have very low volatility right now. Uh, so if, we, if volatility goes up, uh, that'll be a risk factor for small cap stocks. So just remember that. Um, some other things we're seeing, uh, the Dow has been positive for three weeks. Uh, the mid caps have been positive for one week. They've been negative for, for seven weeks. Small cap index is negative for eight straight weeks. That's what we're talking about. Uh, the QQQs have been positive for two weeks. Same with the equal weight and the S&P 500 uh, uh, market weight, uh, market capitalization weight, I should say. So, look, the QQQs are leading the pack. Uh, they had a they had a gain of 3% last week, and, and they're up about 12% this year. Um, and I think there's going to be, I, I don't know, if, if I look at the top, the XL, xlg it broke a double top so technically it still looks good the volatility though is down at 10 so we're back at the areas where we were in january and i just think you got to remember that and uh you know you you don't want to do anything stupid and go out and um you know uh you know wait for something like amazon to go up 50 bucks and buy some okay do not chase things right at the moment. With volatility low, you got to pay attention. Now, one thing that did happen this week that kind of – I thought things were improving, but I looked at the favored sector group. Remember, we had 15 two weeks ago. We had 14 last week. We have 11 this week. So we have less and less groups in favored sectors. So, uh, you know, you, you, you got to remember that part. Uh, that's not a good sign. But banking is still favored but it's at 65 and we only talk about the the favorites group so waste management and forest and paper products are at 60 so you can start to buy there. Business and computers are at 55 good you know you got to pick your pick your spots there. Oil service, restaurants, oil and he- uh, healthcare are at 50. not a bad place to buy. Software is at 45 once again and the internet's at 40. Now, there's several that are below 30 that are not favored. So you want to wait for a reversal, but that's precious metals, non-ferrous metals are at 30 and then Wall Street's at 23. Uh, that would be a really interesting area to be uh, buying. We did see, um, you know, we, we saw some uh, of the favored sectors shift down, okay, as far as, you know, are they favored or are they Not. And that was restaurants, they, they move from average to below average. Semiconductors, same way. Aerospace and airlines, same way. Insurance uh, lifted a little bit. And precious metals, uh, which is unfavored, moved from two to a one. So they're completely unfavored. And gaming got beat up. Uh, they're really beating it up uh, after uh, Caesar's uh, earnings in a terrible conference call, by the way. <laughs> it was really bad. Uh, so... You're seeing a little bit more of this, the sectors uh, get beat up versus um, uh, going up. So, look, I think you got to be careful here because the bullish percent is going up with less and less people participating. All right, that's not a good sign. You know, you, you don't want to fight uh, a war without <laughs> the leaders, you, you don't want the knights and the kings running running the war and having the foot soldiers and the archers back at the, at the barracks uh, drinking coffee. Okay. Now I I did look at some international stuff and uh, you know, I noticed India broke, had been had some problems and then broke out. Uh, Now it's still not a new high, uh, but it it's, it's in a column of X's and I I looked at, this is mostly the large cap Indian portfolios that I've seen. Uh, Most of those look uh, fairly interesting and have broken out. Uh so if I was internationally India be a place I'd go. Um I did look at uh fixed income and you know I'm I'm seeing some stuff that I like and uh but I'm also seeing some stuff the junk bonds seem to be moving up uh and I, I you know that's usually with the stock market I think you got to be kind of careful here but look if you look the TNX which is the 10 year treasury yield has been range bound between uh, 2.25% and 3.1% since February. As of now, the spread between the five-year treasury yield, the FYX and the TNX is just 13 basis points. So you're very close to going inverted. Okay. And that's inverted uh, uh, treasury yields are not good. Uh, That's all I got to say. You know, you, 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 you know, usually uh, every time the uh, the inversion occurred, uh, we had uh, a problem with the economy. Right now, U.S. preferred convertibles are still the top ranked. High yields has moved over international sovereign debt. So those are the three best. Uh, long-term U.S. Treasuries and short-term U.S. Treasuries have had the worst relative strength of all of them. So I think, uh, you know, if you look at the 10-year uh, yield index, it's in a column of O's. So there's a lot of resistance at 3%. And then, like I said, 3.1 would be a big, you know, if we broke through that, that'd be big. Um, as far as commodities are concerned, uh, tr- you know, crude oil continues to weaken. Uh, it, it was up for eight straight weeks. It's now down for straight t- uh, two straight weeks. And most of the commodity indexes are down, uh, uh, been down for eight, 10 weeks. Gold's been down for 16 weeks. Uh, and copper's been down seven weeks so um, you know corn has been one of the only positives out there Uh, and if you look at the uh, the wisdom tree continuous commodity index or any of those other ones the charts don't look so good Uh, (laughs) I'll just leave it at that and we always talk about relative strength on this this uh, show and you know relative strength is important uh, technically so you know look what we're trying to do on this show is take a a huge economy and bring it down to ideas that you can grab. Okay. And use, uh, I'm not telling you which one of these ideas to use, but if you, if you take the technicals and the fundamentals together, usually you're going to make a lot more money than, uh, if you just take the, the, uh, fundamentals or the technicals together. So relative strength buys can last a long, long time. Dana heard it's been 25 years. Okay. So these are positive harmonic light. Which is a small communications company, PC Connection. It's great-looking chart. Jamba, which got acquired, uh, Limonera, which is in the food and beverages, uh, Pasira Pharmaceuticals, Tetra Tech, which is in the in its industrial goods but it's water, Vanda Pharmaceuticals, SeaWorld Entertainment, Verisite, which is in biotechnology, uh, Atcor International's industrial goods. Uh, on the sell side, now this is where you got to start to look at your fundamentals. Citronetics, uh, Albiro Pharma, obviously both in biotechnology, NCR, Odyssey Main Exploration, Rainier Holdings, Scientific Games, Heister Yale Materials, YY, which is a Chinese stock, uh, Mazer Robotics, which is an Israeli company, Ring Energy, Diplomat Pharma, and Summit Materials. So those are kind of interesting. I would also suggest that gold is uh, 80% oversold, and uh, it's still holding its bullish bullish uptrend line, but, um, you know, you got to pay a lot more closer attention if it breaks down through there. But uh, uh, as for now, everything's good. Hey, stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. We'll be right back.
2: You know the moment. The workday is over. Your daily responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lay back. It's that end of day. (sighs) That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-soothing serenity. Made locally at the Original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com
0: When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line. A long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original. The Original Mattress Factory. I'm Dennis Lewin. Join me this Saturday afternoon from 2 to 4 on 1220 WHKW, The Word, and this Sunday afternoon from 4 to 5 on 1420 WHK, The Answer, and hear Part 2 of The Life and Music of Mozart. That's turning you on to classical music with Dennis Lewin. Saturday afternoons from 2 to 4 on 1220 WHKW, The Word. And on Sunday afternoons from 4 to 5 on 1420 WHK, The Answer.
2: Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC.
1: You know, this is the part of the show where we talk about insiders. And uh, insider trading is important. And uh, not the insider trading that's illegal, but the insider trading that's legal. And this is where they buy and sell. And, um, uh, you know, I I have seen a couple things that uh, have really, you know, caught my eye. And uh, I'm trying to find the one. uh, Here's the one that really ticks me off. You know, um, Mark Zuckerberg... CEO of Facebook, sold $400 million worth of stock right before the earnings. I don't know how he got away with that, by the way, but he did. And, uh, you know, so he sold at 200 The stock's now at 183 I think it closed at, after earnings at 172 Um, And he's still selling. He'd sold $73 million uh, uh, last Friday, uh, and I didn't see this. And then he sold another $39 million on Thursday, so hmm, interesting. Now we did see a couple big buys. They continue to buy at Mohawk, uh another nine point one million dollars worth high price stock. And I told you we had four buyers of AT and T. We had four more buyers, so there's eight buyers of AT and T to a total of seven point eight million dollars. So that's a good sign, and. Um, Prevention Bio, a uh, little biotech company, they, they bought uh, uh, $3 million worth, one buyer. And Monosol RX, another bio, uh, one buyer of $2.4 million. And First Horizon, I mentioned that last week, I'm sorry. And then uh, Repulman, which is another bio, two buyers of uh, $2.1 million. Federate Investors, there's a big buyer. And Polaris, there was four buyers of $1.4 million. Love to see that. Martin Marietta, two buyers of $1.2 million and uh then we had synchrony financial which got cream but there was three buyers of 700,000 and cdi advanced materials this is a little small cap but there was three buyers of uh 330 million so those kind of interesting but facebook there was four sellers of uh 49 million dollars beyond what zuckerberg did so uh it worries me a little bit maybe the rats are are leaving the ship there um Insider tra- transactions, though, I think have been bullish for the most part. And I did see a couple things that I really like. Now, there's, I've been noticing that there's a trend in biotechnology. Remember I said this about MLPs. MLPs have been, I mean, there's been four deals in MLPs. Uh, Energy Transfer Partners have been the, the last one that just occurred. I own some of that. Uh, you know, so we saw in MLPs and suddenly MLPs are one of the leading groups, most improved groups for the year. All right. So biotechnology, I'm seeing a lot of that. So I'm going to mention that first of all. And Celgene. Now, Celgene, you know, was $140 stock. It's now 88.99. Uh, they've been beating up the biotechs pretty hard. But, uh, you know, this is a company that has a dividend and trades it like six times earnings, seven times earnings or something like that. Uh, but we had the uh, uh, Mark uh, Mark Alice, which he, I think he's the CEO. He bought $59,234. And by, by the way, he he has enough stock that he could choke a large bull elephant with. <laughs> so I love to see when CEOs buy their stock when it's down and they own a whole ton, a bunch, but there was one guy that bought uh, this is C C F O CFO bought 20,000 shares. He's got a ton, a uh, chief science officer, 12.9, uh, M, uh, I don't know what this guy does, but he's uh, – I think he's a director, 8.2, then a 4 million, then a, a 5 million, uh, 5,000 shares, another 10,000 shares. So they're buying big, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, platform specialty. Now, this is kind of an interesting one because this is showing up on my charts a lot. Pershing Square, uh, which is a major hedge fund, about $120 million worth of stock. That ain't chump change, folks. And Macom Technologies. This is uh, it's in the semiconductor area. There's a a uh, the chairman bought two million dollars worth, and he owns a ton. I mean, uh, I think that's like one sixth of his position or something like that. Federated Investors. Uh, we had a director buy one point five million. That's a second or third buyer uh, in in some time now. And then the Baker Brothers. You know, they bought Seattle Genetics at forty. 7 and 48. It's now 70. That was like three months ago. They bought Bungie, uh or buy Beijing is what I call it. Uh, Bungie is it's B-G-N-E is the symbol, but it's Beijing. Uh, and Beijing's down from 220 at 176. They bought $627 million worth. <laughs> and they are, that's smart money. Now, uh, Newell Brands just got killed this week. And I thought it was kind of interesting. We had three major buys there. And these this is you know, uh, by the CEO and three directors, or two directors. Uh one one million in one case, five hundred and twenty five thousand in the other case, and two hundred and forty five k uh in that case. Newell was a forty dollar stock, it's now twenty one. They they can't seem to get out of their own way. And this is a company I owned a while back, Titan International. <clears throat> I don't know it anymore. But it got killed. It was a $10 stock. Actually, it was a $14 stock uh, back in March. It's now a $6 stock. And the CEO just bought uh, a ton of stock. Uh, so, you like to see, actually, it was three different purchases. Um, GlaxoSmithKline, uh, a, a former 10% owner, just bought 1.6 million shares. It's got a great dividend, too. And a lot of people were uh, worried about Cedar Fair. And, um, that they may cut their dividend. Well, one of the directors just bought half a million dollars worth of stock, and he owns a lot, so I don't know if that's the case. And then uh, Graham uh, Holding Companies, which is in educational and training, that type of stuff, it's a high-price stock, $500 stock. The president and CEO bought $1.5 million, and there was two other people that bought $245,000. So, uh, Oh, and one other director bought $1.12, so that's quite a few. And Caesar Entertainment, after just a terrible conference call. Oh, my gosh. this was terrible. Uh, the president and CEO bought $1 million of the stock. Uh, it's the first purchase he's made since a company came public again. So, uh, you know, take it from take it from there. And Fordive Corporation, which is in scientific and technical equipment, uh, at a new high, a director bought 1.45 million shares. Love to see when they're buying at new highs, folks. Just. Love to see that, and i just I'll leave it at that. Now, look, I, just to review things that we've seen this week, uh, and this comes from our uh, good friend Bob Dickey, the technical strategist at RBC, and boy, what a resource he is. There's been plenty of talk about the direction of interest rates over the past several months, but if you look at the 10-year Treasury yield, it spends most of the year in a tight range between 28 and 3.1%, with not much of an indication – of a breakout coming in either direction yet. So the overall trend for the past two years has been higher, but this more recent range could continue for several more months. So I don't know if we're going to get to that, you know, 3.4% would break the downtrend line dating all the way back to 1980. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but, you know, there you go. Now, uh, one of the things he said last week was he had some, uh, you know, the earnings reporting season is coming into a very positive rate at this point. We're seeing some good things. But the SP in five hundred is approaching the old all time high, but a shift in leadership could cause the index to stall. And what he's I think he's suggesting is that the shift indicates a move to less risky stocks is better uh recent performance by consumer staples and healthcare. And, you know, we've been talking about that for months now. I mean, healthcare is leading the pack this year. By the way, biotechnology is right behind technology and nobody's talking about it, which is great. You know, the less they talk about it on CNBC, the better off uh, the group's going to be. But, uh, look, these these stocks are generally considered to be less risky, more stable uh, than the higher volatility growth areas. So, uh, look, you know. It's hard to find leaders in a in a up market, but you got to remember that the guys in strong uptrends right now uh, may not be the leaders in the next uh, part of the market because we've been we've been in this thing where you know technology 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 that's all anybody's talking about. Well, they may take a breather, um, but you've also seen um, in the last ten years an alternating pattern of uptrends and then consolidation periods in the, is a, is a normal process within the market. Like right now we're in one of those consolidation periods and it could last for a while because we're way above the uptrend line which is what we, what we do is we draw a line between the the higher lows in a in a chart. And when you get way above that usually that's not a good sign it's going to it's going to come back to you. So that's something to to think about and how long these periods of consolidation have lasted well I mean, literally, you did make a dime in the stock market uh, between 2011 and 2013 uh, if you were in the Dow Jones. By the way, if you were in the S&P 500 and these index funds, you had a negative return from 2000 to 2010. So if people keep telling you about going in index funds, you better know what you're doing. And also, between 2014... In 2017, right right after the election, the market went sideways. We didn't you didn't make any money. Matter of fact, you had two 15% corrections and four five percent corrections during that period of time. And in the 2011 to 2013, we had two 19% corrections. So, you know, we, we could have one of those coming soon. I, you know, in in secular bull markets, you do have corrections, and that's the way it goes. So. Um, Look, I I was looking at MLPs and technology, and I got a lot of good ideas in that that area. Uh, I prefer, you know, kind of there's certain technology that I like and there's certain technology that I don't like. So what would I be doing right now? Well, you know, look, I think this is a good time to look at the dividend growth portfolio. I've been talking about this for some time and the prime income list because yields are up. Uh, On the global side, um, I haven't been talking about the global – you know stocks too much i think there's a trade coming up i don't know if it's an investment so you want to be careful with those uh i prefer the dividend growth portfolio the prime income list which you can get from us with no idea without any problem also our best ideas or our uh, all cap sector portfolio there's a lot of good names in there that are some of them are up a lot so you you know you want to stay away from those but on on the on the uh The sector sides There's some really good ideas and there's some small cap ideas, but I really think the dividend growth portfolio, if you can buy some of these down, believe me, if you're 10 years from retirement and you have dividend growth portfolio and you start, I I have some people that are in their thirties now, uh, the millennials that are buying these things and we're putting them away and we're just buying stock every quarter, every quarter we're buying stock by the time they retire, they'll have five six thousand shares of these stocks and and the, their original yield will be two percent and if they grow it at eight percent a year which most of these do you know your dividend is going to be phenomenal just trust just just trust me on that great way to to uh to look at things so i'd i'd look at our our all cap portfolio we can get that by going to you know googling tim hayes radio And just hitting the contact me or email me while you're there. Look at Bob Dickey's technical work or some of our stuff or market letters. If you'd like to be signed up for our newsletter monthly, we don't harass you. Please do. Just contact me or email me. If you'd like to have a cup of coffee, 888-223-7742. 888-223-7742. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Remember, buy low, sell high. This is Tim Hayes and the Smart Investor Show. Thanks for listening to the Smart
0: Investor Hour. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420, The Answer, or Salem Media Group.